0: Um, today I'm speaking to two emerging volunteer campaigners and there's a fair few of them in the Independence Day movement. Uh, Kristen Locke and Denise um, founded helped found North Sydney Independent to find Kylie Tink and they've now, I don't know how they've got the energy, but they've revved up for the state election and they are now actively looking for a an independent candidate in Lane Cove so hello Kirsten and Denise.
1: Hi Margot.
2: Hi Margot thank you so much for having us
0: so and I um, wonder I'm, how
2: we've got the energy as well.
0: Yeah, <laughs> God um, let alone the, um, the difficulties which we'll, we'll get to anyway so h- how did you two know each other and how did North Sydney, Sydney Independent come to be formed? Kirsten
2: would you like to go
1: first? I didn't know Denise 18 months ago. We were brought together by someone I barely knew at the time and I don't think you knew um, that person too well either, Denise. No. This person gathered a group together from the North Sydney electorate. A random group, none of us knew each other, but what we had in common was concern about key issues. Concerned enough that we wanted to try to change the system at the federal election. That's where I met Denise. Pretty random.
0: <laughs> okay and you're a former Liberal staffer is that right
1: I worked for Bill Heffernan in my university school holidays while I was doing um Master of Public Health and I was a young liberal when I was about 16 or f- 15 in fact I think it was illegal I was a bit young but
0: <laughs> they <laughs> when did let you me rust in off? anyway when did you rust off Kristen
1: um it was a gradual process I think one thing that really kicked me over the edge was. Um, the way David Hicks was treated back in the Gulf War in Guantanamo Bay and how our government did not stand up for someone in a torture camp overseas, that probably I felt that... I felt we, we they no longer had our back. The trust was broken then and that Iraq war. That was for me. That second Iraq war didn't make sense. There was no rationale. So the moral integrity was gone for me that... Back in
0: the Uh, late 90s. Did you ever read my book, Not Happy, John? No. I'll
1: write it down.
0: Oh, no, no, no. It's it's okay. It's just that David Hicks was such a crucial thing for me. And you might remember that a former federal Ah. president of the Liberal Party, John Valder, was an absolute champion for David Hicks. Ah. And opposed the Iraq War. It goes right back. It goes right Mm. back, doesn't it? Anyway, sorry about that. Um, Okay, so, Denise, you're, you were a media buyer who um, got caught up in a, um, a sting by The Australian and um, <laughs> yes. retired to become a, a, a Twitterati and a, a spin-proof podcaster. Um, so, a different, different sort of background to um, Christian. Uh, Kristen. Um, what date was this first meeting? Oh,
2: good question. Um, Yes, you're quite right. I mean, I was a media buyer and a media seller, so worked for some of the large media agencies or advertising agencies, some of the major publishers, some of the minor publishers as well, and you're quite right, the Australian did come after me, uh, partly because, you know, I suggested to advertisers that perhaps they shouldn't be supporting um, hate speech with their advertising. Shock horror. I was called a corporate terrorist in the Senate... And at that stage, I just thought, well, I'll go and do something else. So, really started um, becoming very, very active on Twitter um, and started to see how I could more tangibly make a difference. And um, it seemed to me that trying to put up an independent candidate in North Sydney was one way to do that. Um, it's been a wonderful journey, to say the least. Um, in terms of when we met, gosh, it was early, late 2020 and then North Sydney's Independent, I suppose, was formed around February 2020,
0: 2021. So, yeah. so formed, form just as COVID hit?
2: Yes. Is Just that right? as COVID hit. Gosh, time's a bit odd at the moment, Margot. Um, no, actually, actually, there's so actually many reasons.
0: COVID had was uh, early 20,
2: wasn't it? Yes, that's correct. That's correct.
0: Okay, so one of the, the things that really interests me is the the differences between the Sydney Independence Day movement and, and Melbourne. Um, so Melbourne followed the Indi way and had one group, Voices for Indi, that did the research, did the kitchen tables and then went through the process of finding a candidate. Sydney, I think probably inspired by Zali and um, uh, uh, Warringah Independent... Had a, a, a double process. So there, there was a group in North Sydney called Voices of North Sydney which was very keen on the community engagement process. Did you have any involvement with them or was it completely independent, um, independently established, etc.?
2: Um I was certainly newer voices of North Sydney very early on, even before they were called voices of North Sydney. They were called common sense democracy and then morphed into voices of north sydney um, so yes, I certainly knew of them quite early on. They made the decision to position themselves more more as the entity that was listening to the views and interests of the community, they weren't going to actively put a campaign up. So North Sydney's Independent was really born because we needed... ..we knew that we needed to, um, you know, to achieve our aims. We needed a different entity that was going to be... ..that was going to find and support an independent candidate for the for the next election.
0: I noticed that um, Voices for North Sydney... Um, immediately endorsed your candidate, um, uh, Kylie Tink. And I just wonder who is going... Is Voices for North Sydney involved in gathering the community's common um, issues? Are they sort of inputting to you uh, 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 th- that, that kitchen table thing?
1: So we're actually unusual, Denise. I might um, just correct that there. Would you correct that too, Denise? In terms of you, well, voices in to... North Sydney never endorse Kylie Tink. <clears throat> I, I, they say impartial.
0: The t- I, saw a tw- I saw a tweet
1: um, endorsing Kylie Tink for the federal election. At what stage?
0: Um, after she was announced, um, uh, a um, a tweet saying welcome, welcome her announcement. I okay,
1: so North Sydney is interesting and. And one, one, all these seats are different. North yep. Sydney is different in that voices of North Sydney from the start had been said, we're not interested in political campaigning, we're about deliberative yep. democracy, transparency and participatory democracy yep. and so on. Yep. So didn't want to play any role in okay. the election process at all. That's the very reason North Sydney's Independent was formed yep. because no other group was going to act as a partisan campaign up for a candidate in the seat so voices of north sydney had done huge groundwork fantastic groundwork with their ktc's kitchen table conversations which gave us a foundation in addition to other data to say there's a very strong case that north sydney is not happy with their candidate and would like an independent alternative um, so that's my understanding. I'm happy to look
0: that up and see if they did end up endorsing. Yeah, yeah, look, I, I, I've got a really clear memory of it because I, I tweeted it. Um, but I, I'm just so interested in this, Kristen, because even in Voices for Indi, there was always a split between those who wanted the community engagement and those who wanted to find a candidate. And I, I, I've, I've often thought Sydney's found a way through that uh, uh, that, that works Um, So so is is Voices for North Sydney doing some work and and going to pull together the the, the interests and and concerns of the people of of Lane Cove?
1: That's their current... um, That's the goal of their current existence. And that's very different to North Sydney's independent. So going forward, the same as looking back, we're making this up as we go along. Of course. So in a few months' time... (laughs) I can't speak for Voices of North Sydney who are completely separate to us. Um, we'd, it's interesting because their Voices of North Sydney is assumed to be taking on the same role as Voices of Indi, which was quite political in choosing Canada and so on. But you're right. There, I wouldn't say there are conflict... I wouldn't suggest it was conflicting purposes. I'd say there's a group of people very keen on community engagement, tying that into our democracy... And then there's another purpose. Well, once you've done that with the political system we have now and the incumbents and the duopoly and tri- and with the Greens as well, if we want an independent candidate, we need an active campaigning group, which is separate. So yeah. it's just two... They're aligned perhaps on their foundations, but they're not, they're not yeah. the same act And the way that I think about
2: voices of North Sydney is they're the cat's whiskers into the community so they're out listening engaging the views and interests of the community and yes certainly we'd like to have access to that information um, just so we do know the issues that we should be feeding back into our campaign but also hopefully the candidate that we then um, that we then
0: choose or put forward. The the you spot on, um, Kristen, the, the individual nature of each. Like, Voices for Wentworth and Voices for McKellar are similar, except Voices for McKellar is far more on the Voices for North Sydney model. They, they, you know, they did have a bit of crossover of people leaving, but basically they want to stay as a sort of a non-partisan um, group collecting information after listening whereas voices for Wentworth were more active they, they ran a forum and they they sort of asked questions of the sitting member based on the the thing so this is one of the things I just love about this movement is that hopefully it can't be owned that it actually is is very grassroots so with Kylie my recollection is that she was the first out of the blocks is that right? I think she was.
2: Yeah, she sure was. <clears throat>
0: September. And it was in lockdown. She and sure it was. was <laughs> I saw. I, I saw the I saw the, um, the launch, uh, Kristen, that you uh, compared, and I thought, wow, that is so smooth. Um, and it was all there was a lot of like that. Yeah, it looked <laughs> well, like that. <laughs> a lot of work.
2: There was a lot of um, feet paddling madly underneath the surface, Margot. So that's yeah, pretty good to know. Yeah, but I just want
0: to give you credit for, for being first out of out of the blocks and pink, by the way, not teal. I like that. Um, but um, it, it was, it, 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 I think, it was very important to creating momentum for, for others to, to 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 sort of look at and see a template and think it's doable. Um, it, it, North Sydney. Um, north sydney is um is a- is a crucible seat there's a lot of energy and um a lot of um all right let's get out and do it first um so anyway sorry sorry to blab on um so after um, Kylie got selected um you two after initially didn't get involved in in her campaign and and denise i think you um got got yourself even more campaign experience by um working with um Jane Carrow's uh, Senate campaign. Um, what made you decide to have a go at the state election?
1: Um, oh, we did. I actually did stay with Kylie's campaign right through the end of the year after the launch and then into the start of the year as, as quite actively engaged um, Margot. Okay. But, yeah, Denise then... I don't know how she did it, went into the yeah, Jane State campaign as well. Um, this, uh, sorry, state the Senate campaign for Jane Carrow. The state, uh, we started getting, I started getting calls at least in February about you're not going to let this go, are you, from supporters in the community saying you can't just let this stop at the federal election. So that was already simmering which surprised me because I thought those people must be, they're really zooming out to see what, what's the bigger picture for our whole country. Um, and then after the election, Denise, you started getting calls as well.
2: I started getting um, contacted on the Monday after the election saying what's next. And I think I thought, oh, March, that's not far away. So we really just started the process again. We had an existing database, Uh, we had platforms set up for North Sydney's independence, so really it was a decision to start, um, I suppose, reigniting those.
1: And I I think Ted Mack has to come into it, doesn't it, Denise? We've often said that what we didn't want to see happen, Ted Ted Mack was such a, a, a flagship, but it all went when he went. So he went from local to state to federal, and then he pulled out, and then nothing Liberal Party came straight back in, took that back up. So there's no carryover, no baton to pass on. And we did, through this process, we went, this is so much work. And I saw it when I was involved in the Xenophon campaign back in 2016. A whole lot of ramp-up work, high high energy input to get you just to the starting line and play the campaign game. There's no wonder 100 out of 100 sort of two independent candidates fail there's so much input required mm. so if we were to drop this again it, it it leaves that steep cliff to climb for anyone to try it again so whilst we're up on the plateau it's much easier now to just continue running this this movement and we there are a lot of people behind us too margot so it's not just denise and myself there's, there's a, there are dozens well, of i know people i mean i, I went hundreds. to you, i went
0: to your party after the election yeah, well, it was it was so buzzy and and yeah. so many interesting people with a lot of different skills. It was, it was, it was a really exciting party, actually.
2: <laughs> we're really, we're really <laughs> lucky to be able to tap into such a broad range of skill sets and knowledge from yeah. people within our electorate. Mm. And, Margot, what I often say is people in our area have caught the democracy bug. They've seen what can happen when they lean into their democracy and they get actively involved. Um, you know, and we saw that very clearly on
0: election night so what i gather is that there's three key differences in in the new south wales election um uh to to the federal election and all of them are harmful to your cause if you like so either of you what 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 are the what are the the big differences and 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 how are you going to deal with them
2: there's three differences. So, And I don't know if the first one that I'll mention is harmful. In fact, I would actually say that it's probably helpful, if anything, um, sure. particularly when we didn't know when the federal election was. Mm. So that made planning challenging. So you're right, New South Wales is fixed terms, so we know the election is going to be on March the 25th. That is advantageous to us from a planning perspective. Sure. So we can map things out, which we did not have the advantage of doing that uh, federally. The other difference, of course, is optional preferential voting. That is challenging. My understanding is that New South Wales is the only um, jurisdiction in Australia that still has optional preferential voting. Um, All of the independents federally, apart from the incumbent community independents, so Zali and Helen Haynes, all of them relied on preferences to put them across the line. So we are going to have to build in a campaign with really strong messaging around that. The other uh, challenge that we're facing, which is different federally to state, is spending caps. Um, And I'll let Kristen go into that a little bit more. But yes, that's certainly made our planning and our strategy different this time compared to federal.
1: Yeah, so on the spending caps, it's, it's also donation limits. At the federal level, it's far higher limit that people can donate, Um, there is no campaign spending limit, Um, which um, both of those are a problem and almost all the independents, I think one of their platforms was to bring those limits in, but in the state, the limits in New South Wales are far lower, which we think is absolutely healthy for a democracy, but they do need to be evenly applied we're still looking into the actual limits. Um, I think it's the advantage of a party is they can spend millions statewide for the party's um, campaign, which reinforces all the individual candidates in their party across the state in their own seats. And then I've just got to check this, but I think they can spend 66000 for their particular electoral district Whereas an independent candidate can't do that statewide campaigning, it, it doesn't really apply to a, a local independent in one seat. Um, and the spending cap is far lower than the federal game we just played. Well, there was no spending, there was no electoral cap for North Sydney, but for the seat of Lane Cove, where we are definitely going to be looking for a candidate, we have a spending cap of one hundred ninety-seven thousand per candidate. Third parties have a have a smaller spending cap as well per seat, which is about twenty seven thousand. So then you also get into different structures, which is the boring side. I'm afraid of third parties, associated entities, and candidates, incumbent candidates, independent candidates, party candidates. There are different rules for all of us. So we're getting our head around the new so what's game What's the rules.
0: individual spending uh, donation cap?
1: Three thousand three hundred if it's to an independent. Right. Uh, I think it's six thousand six hundred if it's to a party.
0: I, I just, I'm just gobsmacked, because, I, I mean, to have inbuilt um, bias to major parties, it's got to be cleaned up. It's got to be cleaned up.
1: Well. I'm- we're I'm finding our own feet, <laughs> That's to be said. It, we're, we're, we're trying to find out the rules as we start playing the game. So yeah. I,
0: I'd like to um, confirm those details with you. Yeah, later. sure, sure. Mm. But, it, you know, it's, it just it stinks. Anyway. Um, but but uh, where, so, where
2: I think so, the parties have an advantage, you're right, is on those spending caps and, and so on that they've clearly defined for themselves. Where I think the community independents have an advantage is, we're very strong on feet on the ground. So the parties can't, don't seem to be able to replicate that energy and that momentum and that excitement. So if I, had to, I have to say if I had to choose between the two of spending versus volunteers on the ground, I would go for volunteers on the ground. Um, it, it's, you know, having that on-the-ground presence I think is such an advantage for the community independence movement. It's
0: the magic sauce, isn't
2: it? It's the magic sauce, it really is.
0: Um so 3800 so that means climate 200 isn't a factor really i mean they can give you 3800 and that's it other you know other you know other you, you'll need a lot of different private donors to to
1: 3300 300, 300 yep. yeah yep. Per, um
0: per, so per does entity. climate 200 want to help uh
1: we hope so we yep. would if they so. if we get a candidate who's well aligned with their principles we would certainly hope that conversation continues
0: yeah.
2: And yep. they and Climate 200, you know, as we know, they're quite public about what they're looking for when they decide to support um, a group like North Sydney's Independent and indeed a candidate that we might um, put forward. They look for the campaign structure. They obviously look at the candidate. They look for aligned values. Um, they look for momentum within the community. And we certainly feel like we're reaching all of those benchmarks.
0: Yeah, but, you know thirty three hundred who cares I mean you 'd be looking to sort of convince some of his donors to privately chuck in, but even so I mean you you, you must which I think is a good thing you, you really must rely on on small donors you really must um, it which is again is it lets people in the community you know put a bit of skin in the game and, and is is um, aligns mm-hmm. with the with the idea of that it's it 's a community. It's a community campaign.
2: Oh, you're exactly right. Um, And it needs to be a community up campaign. There are expenses in any campaign that you cannot escape. So printed materials, obviously, you know, I think people might be even a bit surprised about how expensive that is for a campaign. You need core flutes, you need T-shirts, you need how-to-votes, you know, all of those sort of things. You cannot escape paying for those. Advertising expenditure particularly social media, they're a fixed cost. But certainly where we can, we do try and lean into the community. As an example, Kristen and I are full-time on this. We're certainly not getting paid. No-one within our campaign team, our growing campaign team is paid.
0: Excellent, excellent. Um, I remember at at your party, um, Kristen, I spoke to Mandy, who's, you know, big deal finance person or something, and she was (laughs) on Kylie's campaign and they said, We want to pay you and she said, No. This is a I want to be a volunteer. This and I, I love it. That's that's what I am. What's what we all you know? That it's it's actually a particular experience to give to, you know, yeah the country, I guess.
1: Wanna, you want to give of yourself.
0: So well, when well, did first... Sorry
2: Particularly when we're facing the issues that we're facing. Yeah. Um, yes, we're really picking up on that as well, that people do want to give of their time and their expertise because it's such a vital time where we face so many challenges.
0: And also for most people if um, you can give your time because you're financially secure so that's a that's a good way to give back too if you've been lucky and successful in life isn't it?
1: It is and I think it has to be I'd love to see research into this but my impression of the of what's happened in the federal election and going forward is that there are certain resources in some communities that are greater in those communities than in others. So people like Denise and myself consider it a privilege, an honour and a luxury to be able to donate this kind of time to such a thing. We know there are more people like us in other seats who are, thank you, just too busy getting the kids to bed, turning up at work, putting food on the table... To be doing something like yep. this virtually full time, it's a yeah, it's a luxury. Um yep. and that's what I'd love to see. You go whether you're in North Sydney or you're in a Jarrah mob in the middle of WA, that you have the same access to create the same democratic volume in, in voice for your community. This is this is where I'd love to see um, a more equitable. Mm. Um, access for everybody across the country at all levels of government. So that's something we, I'd love to, going forward, improve. Yeah. I don't know how we improve it, but there's certainly we have an advantage here.
0: Now, when Denise mentioned this to me, this this um, this state thing, I was I was a bit funny about it because you know you know my theory that you know the independence movement is really a split from the Liberal Party because they're no, they're no longer liberal. Um. So, we, uh, for me, you know, New South Wales is the only uh, Liberal Party where the moderates have significant power. They're, they're pretty good on climate change and they have an ICAC. So, my fear would be, you know, you take out moderates from a, a party where moderates have power, where they didn't have any power in the feds and, and it could be a double-edged sword. And Denise said, well, what we've done is choose Lane Cove because it is rep- represented, inverted commas, by a hard right, anti-climate change person who does not represent Lane Cove. So that, that sort of makes sense to me, but it, it is a, a more difficult message in New South Wales, I, I would have thought. What, what's your feeling about that?
1: The fundamentals don't change. I come from, I'm finding myself, I'm finding out about myself in this in discussions like these, for me, it's does the com- is the community its general voice is it represented in our government? Yep. It, it doesn't matter if they're hard right, hard left, hard green, hard labour. I don't care. Is that voice representative of that community? Because that's the very model of our democracy. That's okay. that's the architecture of it. So Anthony Roberts, with his uh, throwing out of Stokes's sustainability guidelines rather than embracing them and improving them, he's throwing them out very quickly, that's a real sign after this election that, hang on, hang on, hang on, you should know this community puts sustainability and climate action right at the top. How is that aligned to your community? And you'd also have to look at his conscience votes, which, again, uh, with voluntary assisted dying and the decriminalisation of abortion... On those two matters, it's yes. not that there's a right or a wrong. So they're complicated moral that's that's complicated moral ground. But there's plenty of information in these communities to show that there's a majority of support for voluntary assisted dying options. And I would say, as a member of the community, the decriminalisation of abortion. So for Anthony Roberts to use a conscience vote to block those two things tells me he's not seeing his role as representing his community, and that's where. The biggest mismatch is for me and, and i think denise you would that's been our conclusion generally the the community independent
2: groups like north sydney independent i think do rise up where there is a demonstrable mismatch between the views and interests of the community and the actions of the local member at all levels of government so certainly anthony roberts in lane cove we think that that's We think we can demonstrate the greatest mismatch there and certainly the feedback that we're getting through groups like Voices of North Sydney and indeed people now approaching us from within the community and I have to say from beyond the community as well because remembering too that Anthony Roberts is the planning minister for all of New South Wales is very strong. So we think that Lane Cove is a New South Wales electorate while challenging, he's still on a pretty good margin. Uh, we think we're in a good position to again find and put forward a strong community
0: candidate there. So, you've made up. You've made your decision. You're going to go for Lane Cove. I assume that there is enormous amount of work you're doing already to just find the candidate as well as setting up a, a campaign structure. Because I remember Cathy McGowan saying at a at a Zoom. You know that the candidate you want is a candidate who won't play unless there's a good chance of success and that means there's there's money and it means there's a good volunteer support so what what process are you going through and what stage are you at to to find the the right candidate um independent candidate for for lane cove Denise
2: um You're quite right, Margot. It's what I would regard sort of a multi-level approach at this stage. We're actively looking for a candidate. So, of course, we're doing that now. We, two or three weeks ago now, Kristen, we had a public launch at the, back at the Crow's Nest Hotel where we publicly announced that we were actively looking for a candidate for Lane Cove. So we're now publicly looking for that candidate. Of course, we're also speaking to people privately, it's so, you know, who do you know, where do you live and who do you know? Um, so that's one part of the campaign. The other part of the campaign is that, yes, we're also building out campaign team. Now, that's a really complicated, um, quite multifaceted process. So campaigning is, you know, what I regard as a daily grind grind isn't really the right word to use there because you know it is an enjoyable and a rewarding process to go through there's no doubt about it but it you're is also you're a workaholic daily. Denise ah there you go <laughs> but it is also daily so anything from you know policy development to admin to accounts to comms comms is such a you know a huge thing in itself yes. So building that campaign team as well, you know, volunteer management and so on. We have to uh, build, uh, create, and build and maintain all of the platforms. But in the meantime, we're also, you know, doing a weekly newsletter. We're doing daily socials. Uh, we've got a website going now. That all requires work. So it really is quite a complex, multifaceted, um, and multi-layered process that we're going through now all while actively looking for a a candidate. Once the candidate comes along, then yes, even before they're announced, um, there's a lot of work that goes into that. So logo development, website development, messaging development. I mean, you know, there's a lot that has happened before the day of the announcement.
1: There's no doubt about it. And we've also got those fortnightly special guest panels, which we've just started up again, which we did in lockdown in place of being able to get out into the community. We reached out to the community online and luckily, because of the pandemic, We had a community that knew how to do Zoom, knew how to click on the link and turn up at 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Couldn't have done that a few years before. But also uh, I think our advantage in North Sydney and what we couldn't turn a blind eye to was that we now know the campaign structure and the pathway and we have half or more of that campaign team in place and volunteers who know who we are and what we're about. These are massive advantages compared to last year.
0: Yeah, and, um, you know, one of the big things that um, Cathy said early on and that um, people in the regions are, are trying to do is this idea of local capacity building, which gets back to your point, Kristen, about do we let it fall over after MAC or do we keep going and keep building? Like, m- my understanding is that basically um, you're basically most, if not all, of the expertise in the different fields is coming from locals,
1: That's right, Denise. Uh,
2: Yes, that's exactly right. And that to me is, you know, this community up approach that we really follow. Uh, And again, we're very lucky in our area and within our community that we're able to tap into such a great bunch of people, basically, who have a range of expertise, from expertise in policy um, and knowledge that they can give to us, but also expertise in, in the skills that we require. So you're right, we're very lucky where we are. Um, we also, you know, we're, very, we're also very aware that, look, if there are skill gaps that we need to plug, then we may need to go beyond the community. But where we can, we will also, we will always try community first.
0: Okay, so what's your, what's your timetable? What, what, where, when are you aiming to, to announce a candidate?
1: I don't want Christine. to say, Denise, do you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, <coughs> Right now, we're really hoping to find a candidate. Well, we're currently, again, we're publicly uh, looking for the candidate right now. We hope to announce them in November. Then, and, you know, we really haven't got a lot of time before that happens. November will come around very, very quickly. Then, of course, we've got that quiet time over December and January. So, really, in a holding pattern, establishing the candidate, and then... From Australia Day, we basically hit a two-month sprint, uh two-month campaign sprint up until March the 25th. So that is generally our time frame, Margot. Uh, again, the beauty of what we're doing and being a small, nimble team is that we do make different decisions on a daily basis. But that's our general plan at the moment um, in terms of our time frame. So November announcement, and we really hit the ground running Um after Australia Day for the two-month sprint. And I have to say that two-month sprint, it is full-on. So it's daily morning standing meetings, and that does include weekends where we all hop onto a Zoom at 8 o'clock or 8.30 in the morning, work out what the day's plans are, what problems we need to address, um, what's going on on socials, what's in the news cycle that we need to hop onto. It really is such a full-on... very mind and time-consuming process that we're going through I want to just pick up too on something that you said Margot success and Kristen often says this so I'm echoing what Kristen says success for us comes in multiple forms so we know that we really have to exist um, to really make politicians act a little bit differently and we saw that federally so we saw that we saw that before the election campaign where as an example Josh Frydenberg gave back car park money money car uh, car park grant yep. money Trent um, of course came out very vocally about the Wheeler family and of course now we know um, a lot more about the decision that Scott Morrison made on stopping the um, on stopping the gas projects off the um, off the northern beaches coast
0: Yep. So um, last question, um, I remember um, Sophie Scomps didn't want to stand and there was no-one else, so up she went. Susie Holtz, the same, in groom. Um, is there any chance that if push came to shove, either would either of you would, would stand?
1: We wouldn't mm-hmm. need to. Uh, I, I, we're going to find someone. There, there are so many good people here, Margot. Yeah. Again, we're spoilt. Uh, so I don't think we'll be getting to that Act of desperation. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: no, I'm very happy. Sorry, Denise, no Margo. Offense. Well, yeah, no. Um, gosh, Margot, ten years worth of tweets and multiple podcasts.
0: <laughs> oh God, yes. Oh my God. Do you think
2: I? Do you think I've got a bit of baggage? <laughs> Aside from the fact that, no, it's just, it's not for me. I'm very happy. I, I like being a campaigner. I do like being a bit more behind the scenes, uh, but no, <laughs> not not for me.
1: I might say, okay. Denise, no. sorry. Denise made it sound like hard work and it is hard work, but it's also probably one of the most satisfying projects I've ever been involved in, in my life. Very yeah. exciting, um, hugely network opening, so many new friends. Yes. I, it's been a, I mean quite a joy and when I think back on it's a bit like life before kids if you look back on life before this federal election campaign it's like what was I doing with myself life was so shallow so it's very rich it's a very rich existence I would say being involved in this. It. very satisfying. Oh,
2: I would agree I would agree with that I mean the joy of it for me has been knowing people within my community um, and talking to them about substantive issues has been so exciting. I mean, you know, Kristen and I will now speak more than daily and have become, you know, quite fast and good friends through this process and it's been wonderful to meet like-minded people within the community and that's not to say that you agree with people all the time because you certainly don't, no, but to come yeah. together as a community for such an important and, and again, a substantive thing is a joy.
0: Hmm. Okay, and, and, well, I don't know Don't how worry about money.
1: Of... People Pardon? shouldn't worry about money either. It, we didn't, this independence movement didn't happen because of money. It got louder because of money. Yeah. But the results in North Sydney were already sitting there a year ago before we just had to give people a decent option. Those results were already there from election day a year before.
0: Well, I'll give you um, my little example. As you probably know, I was um, involved in the groom campaign, second safest seat in the country, 13% to candidate preferred swing, the biggest Um, against the LNP in the state, total budget 75K in a big seat. And it was all about getting getting out there, meeting people, listening, volunteer. It, It was... You know, it, it, it really, that, that, that has to be the foundation. It just has to be. It has to be
1: ripe. You have to be tapping into something. Larissa Penn did it yeah. with, I think, 30 grand in four weeks. And Nicolette yeah. Buller, of course, a campaign a third the size of Kylie's, a bigger swing than Kylie got.
0: Ab- absolutely. Um a Very big yeah. volunteer, very, uh, just fantastic feeling in, in, um, in Bradfield. Always, always way behind in the starting line you know, always struggling because it was too safe and, and then, boy, oh, boy, did they kick ass!
2: And we think that we're tapping into a similar kind of vein of um, frustration in Lane Cove. People are, are fed up. I mean, it really is as simple as that and our aim is to give them a credible and strong choice at the ballot box. And if the party that they will respond yeah. to that choice. So, so what, what is the margin? Their
1: job, we wouldn't do any good. Yeah, it's so a fourteen what is percent the margin,
2: margin in, a fourteen percent margin in Lane Hove. Whoa! Um, and trending down. So the trend is certainly our friend. Yeah. That is a challenge. You know, it's a yeah. large margin, but yeah. again, we think um, it is within sight. Yes. Optional yeah. preferential voting is again
1: adds a layer of difficulty
2: to it's what a we're doing.
1: Um. But, but if we had the federal swing, Denise, we've already done the numbers. It would be an independent, community independent win. Just it, it's definitely would it this this seats this seats ready to turn. We just have to um, be available. I think.
0: But except you haven't got a Scott Morrison and a, and a Barnaby Joyce to jet um, fuel. Yeah, it's it's a it's a different it's a slightly different challenge, isn't it?
2: We have a, um, an old government, a 12-year-old government, yep. and we have a government also that, you know, issues around integrity I think are, are very strong, mm. are, are massive. And again, I think we have an electorate that is very aware of these issues and um, is open to a challenge and open to a fresh start and a better way. We saw that federally, and I think that we'll be able to replicate that statewide.
0: Do, do you think there's a – I haven't followed the polling, but is there a chance that there could be a balance of power? And, and, and if so, how – oh, no, the eternal question at the last election, how does one answer that question? Any thought being given to that at this stage?
2: Kristen, would you like to
1: – Well, that Guardian up? poll, I believe, just came out showing – I mean, we are technically in a, a – a government that does not have majority control yep. at the moment uh, it wouldn't take much to tip that into a, a balance of power situation yep. for community independence moderate community independence so it's we can't help but be excited that there's an opportunity there that's the ultimate but really the pure cause here is just to get this lane Cove seats voice heard in lane Cove parliament not allocated out to external lobbyist groups mm. or existing entrenched mm-hmm. power structures. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how the the candidate approaches that because it's 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 a tiny bit fraught, isn't it? That <laughs> that question. It's a bit different,
2: yes. and that's I think that that's the whole sort of crux to me of the community independence movement is. We want to be in the room when decisions are being made. We, yep. in fact, want to be the only voice in the room when decisions are being made. And at the moment, it feels like we're, you know, we're we're being excluded. There's party voices, there's self interest, um, and there's donor interest in the yep. room when decisions are being made. Yep. And
1: you want stakeholders just... included in the assessment and the review. But ultimately, decision making is about people power, democratos, mm. people power
0: democracy well congratulations and um i'd love to be at um the launch if if you want to invite me and um yeah um, it's Mm. it's it's pretty exciting and i i really admire your um god what would you call it resilience (laughs) yeah i've been in the garden for three
2: months (laughs) could we say madness um oh i love i love mad people i love them (laughs) Um, um, I, I, only only mad people could very... have changed
0: the world last election, and and the world changed. So, you know, let's uh, yeah. I, I I really loved your point, Kristen, about don't don't let what we've got go because it will disappear. It it is a build. It it really is a build. If if um if the evolutions to um to actually stick.
1: Yeah, it's tending a garden. Let's tend the democracy garden.
0: Oh, thank you thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed this no Fibs podcast until next time goodbye